He disobeyed. But I can get I get it. But as he God God gave him some instruction that was pretty harsh. But when I don't understand, I've got to trust God. You know, God, God knows more than what we know. We can't, we can't fit God into our box. We can't, we can't, if we, if we had a God that we could understand, then we would be smarter than God. So we being finite, there is no way for us to understand an infinite God. So with that, this life of faith, the just shall live by faith. And when we can't see it, we've got to trust God. And so tonight, I'm going to, I want to preach to you on the subject, let God be God. Let God be God. And I will tie it back to the home. But, but with this, there are things, there are principles here that all of us need to grab a hold of to help us have a proper perspective. And so in our passage, Saul the king is the king, and Samuel is the prophets. The Amalekites were the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people. And so uh, let's go to Exodus chapter number 17, Exodus 17. But the Amalekites, they were a warlike Bedouin people, er Arabic, if you would. They were uh, a wandering group of people that were very warlike. They were, uh, they were uh, just a, uh, a people that you would not want to be around. And so Exodus chapter number 17, when God was bringing his people out of Egypt and he was bringing them into the promised land, we find this interaction with the Amalekites. Exodus 17, look at verse 8. The Bible says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and, with Mo and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him and he sat thereon and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Uh, just, just imagine with me uh, here and you got to remember the rod that Moses had it symbolized the power of God. And here, as Moses was leading God's people, God had given him that rod. And that rod uh, was, a, it was a tool that he used. Uh, and as he used that tool, that, uh, God, God had miraculously had these interactions. Uh, Moses would, would use that rod. And it symbolized God's power. And so Moses said, Joshua, uh, I want you to go out. I want you to fight Amalek. And when you're going out, 
out to fight Amalek. Uh, I'm going to go up onto the mountaintop, and I am going to hold up the rod of God. And, and so that, that did something. That gave the general, that gave uh, General Joshua confidence that God's power was going to be upon him as he was fighting this battle. And so Moses is up there, and he's holding up the rod of God. And as he is doing so, the battle is being won. Joshua is winning, but Moses' hands got heavy. And that rod would come down. And as the rod would come down, then Amalek would be, begin to win. Uh, and so uh, can you imagine uh, what that must have been like uh, for Moses to see and physically recognize what was going on and everything that he had to be able to hold up the rod of God so there would be victory. And I could, I could see him trying to just, uh, with every bit of energy that he had to hold the, the rod up, and just that shaking when you're tired and weary. And, uh, and Aaron and her recognized what that was, was going on. And they came alongside. Uh, and uh, they found a rock. Uh, had Moses sit down on the rock. And one got on one side. One got on the other side. And they held up his hands. And the battle was won. And Joshua uh, was able to win the victory down in uh, that, uh, that valley there. Go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25. It's important for us to get the groundwork here so we can properly understand the command that God gave. All right? So Deuteronomy chapter 25, look at verse number 17. The Bible says, Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt. How he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou was faint and weary, and he feared not God. Therefore it shall be when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about, in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Thou shalt not forget it. Thou shalt not forget it. You see, even though that battle was won and God's people were able to continue, Amalek was still attacking God's people. He was attacking those that were behind, the hindmost. It was the weak, the feeble, the old, he was, he was attacking and killing God's people. And God said, listen, when you get into the land that I'm going to give you, and you're done fighting all those other battles, I don't want you to forget what Amalek did. Don't forget. So God's people now are in the promised land. They have fought their other battles Saul is now the king, and they're established in God's directive to destroy Amalek is reinstated. It's, they are reminded of this. This wasn't something that just came out of the blue. This wasn't just God saying, you know what, I don't think I like that guy. Let's, let's wipe him and all his, his people out. That wasn't the reality. There, was, there were things that had gone on before 
that God said that whole people group is going to be wiped out. You know, there are consequences for actions. And consequences not just for the person, but for the heritage. There's consequences for the generations. If the Lord tarries his coming, there are consequences for disobedience on the coming generations. There are things that we can do that will create problems for those that are coming behind us. I'm not saying that we will bear the sins of our forefathers, but there are consequences for actions. Many of you grew up in homes and there are battles that you have had to fight because of your upbringing. There are injuries that are done to people that carry on in life. And so the consequences, but God's people now, we see that in these first nine verses of 1 Samuel, that those, that, that reinstatement of the order for them not to forget to destroy Amalek. But something happened. The king did not follow God's directives. The directives were disobeyed. But not only were they disobeyed, they were made out as if he did obey. It was made out like, no, I've done everything that I was supposed to do. And that, of course, was not the case. So let's look here at this situation with direct disobedience and defiance and let's try to get a glimpse of God's view of disobedience now talking about the home but all of us our responses to God's word how we think God looks at them does not matter. This, I hear it all the time. Well, God understands. Show me that in the Bible. Chapter and verse. You won't find it. I'm not saying God doesn't understand humanity. I'm saying God is not going to side with us in disobedience. No matter what the reason is that we give. There should have been an amen right there. Whether we like it, dislike it, whether we see it differently, it doesn't matter how we see it. When we look at this passage of Scripture, I have a hard time seeing what God has told them to do. But God's right. What, why are we so quiet tonight? Amen. God's right. God's right. Okay. 
So here when we look at this, we, we can see some things about how God perceives, how God looks at things, and then that should help us to classify, to clarify how we view things. Okay? Now, God is going to deal with this disobedience. I'm not even talking about Amalek. I'm talking about Saul. Saul was God's child. Saul was a, he was a king in Israel. He was a leader of God's people. And so that expectation of him to be obedient to the commands of God, uh, they were very clear. So let's look at verse number 10. 1 Samuel 15, verse number 10. And here as we, as we look at this, uh, 1 Samuel 15, uh, verse number 10, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following. Notice this. He is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments, and it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Uh, what do we have? We have God coming to Samuel and saying, listen, I, I'm telling you, uh, God revealed to Samuel, the prophet, what was going on with, with Saul, and he said, listen, he, he, has, he has returned from following me. He is not following me anymore. He is not following. He is not obeying my commands. Now, we, we've got we've to understand here this, this, how God perceives, and God's perception is truth, right? God's perception is absolute truth. So whether Saul felt like he was following the Lord didn't matter. Matter of fact, Saul is going to say that he had followed the Lord and that he had, he had obeyed all the commands, but he had not. And God looked at it and said, he's not following me. He has not kept my commands. And it was to the point where God said, it repenteth me that I made him king. Now, it wasn't that now God made him king and now God said, whoops, no, that's not what the case is. God is just revealing. God is omniscient, um, omnipresent. He is eternal. He had foreknowledge. He knew that Samuel or Saul was going to, uh, to deny him uh, disobed that disobedience. God already knew that. God was revealing his heart in the matter. He is revealing how it has hurt him that Saul had chose to be disobedient. And parents, uh, it should grieve us when our our kids disobey. It should not irritate us. It should grieve us. It repented the Lord. Uh, Saul, he, he heard how that impacted God, and he wept all night long. How long has it been since we wept for a wayward child? This this is something we've got to get a hold of. Because everything with 
uh, with our relationship with God. Uh, our teaching, our training in the home is not just about having a peaceful home. It's about helping our kids to develop that relationship so they have a heart for God. And when God uh, speaks to them and God leads them, that they will follow and that their life would be blessed. And we've got right now to reach the kids. And we, we can't just ignore it. We can't just let it go. Uh, so our relationship with the Lord, uh, how we respond, uh, how our kids respond to us. This is the, the parallel that I'm pointing out here. So the terminology is so important because God is revealing his heart about the situation with Saul and his defiance. Uh, God said, it repenteth me. Uh, look at verse 12. And when Samuel arose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and has gone about, and passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. You know what he was saying? Saul is, is there, and he sees Samuel, the prophet, come, and he says, Hey, preacher, how you doing? Good to see you today. Uh, by the way, I've done everything that you told me that God said to do. It was a lie. But you know what? Saul could have convinced himself that, well, I I did most of it. I followed most of what God said to do. But most didn't work. Most was not acceptable. It wasn't good enough. And, and, and here he, he has this idea, I performed the commands uh, of the Lord. And we know that that is not the case. The Lord had already communicated. I can't imagine uh, being Samuel at that moment when, when Saul, God had already told him that he had not followed the Lord. He had re rejected the Lord. He had defied the principles of God. He had, uh, he had disobeyed, not followed the commandments. Uh, and, and with that, now, here he is coming down, and the king is just so excited. And then he's telling him. It's like he's, he's putting on his, his Christian coat. Yep, everything's good. Let me hide some things from you, but everything, everything looks good. Everything sounds good, but it's not good. The prophet calls him out. You know, don't, don't get, don't get uh, uh, upset when you have a pastor that will call out sin. If the pastor won't call out sin, then we have problems. You know, the Joel Olsteins that get up and said, it's not my job to call out homosexuality and adultery, and it's not my job to name sin. God help us. And what's, what's terrible is the amount of people that are deceived to follow somebody like that. 1 Samuel 15, verse 14. Call, prof, the prophet calls him out. And Samuel said, What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ear and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Well, 
So, oh, if you've done everything that God said to do, how come I'm here in the sheep? You were supposed to kill them all. You were supposed to kill the oxen, the cattle, the sheep. You were supposed to kill everything. Uh, and he said, the lowing of the sheep, which I hear. And Saul said, I have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. To sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And, uh, so, and the rest we have utterly destroyed destroyed. Amazing how there was that shifting. I have followed the commandments of the Lord. Well, what, why am I hearing the sheep? Well, you know, the people, they did this. And we wanted to be able to sacrifice to the Lord your God what was that? That was shifting that, that blame towards Samuel. It was, it was saying, well, you know, you sacrifice to God. Here, I mean, go ahead. These are, these are sacrifices. This is, this is to sacrifice to God. Uh, God didn't want it. And so in verse 14, or I'm sorry, verse 16, then Samuel said unto Saul, stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, say on. Saul looks at him and says, I want you to know what God has already told me. Saul says, say on. Say on. Samuel said, verse 17, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast not thou made head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? Now, let's remember, this was not the prophet speaking. This is the prophet relaying what God had told the prophet the night before. Well, who do you think you are telling me? You don't know what's going on in my life. God does. And Saul here now is hearing not just the prophet's words, he is hearing the communication of God to the prophet uh, and what God had for him uh, to hear. Uh, so uh, verse number uh, 20, And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil and the sheep and the oxen and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord God in Gilgal. What happens here? He, he, he argues that he is not guilty and then he blames the people. 
He denied, he blames the people, he denied disobedience, he made out as if his disobedience uh, was, was the Lord's fault. Well, I was going to sacrifice to the Lord. This, is, this was for him. Now, no, disobedience isn't for God. Verse number 22. And I want you to, if you don't have these highlighted in your Bible, highlight these verses in your Bible. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For, the, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now notice here, we're still in this series on They Call It Home, uh, but what I want you to see is the importance of how God viewed this disobedience. God's view of the disobedience was not just Oh, you know, he made a mistake. Or, oh, you know, he just, he just partially obeyed. That's not what God said. God said that that, that rebe- he said it was rebellion. He said that that knowing disobedience was rebellion. And rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft satanic influence you know what discipline in the home it is not just about order it's so they are not rebels so they do not have that rebellion which is as the sin of witchcraft people say Well, pastor, rules, all these rules, you're going to make rebels. Rules do not make rebels. Rules reveal rebels. They reveal rebels. Don't get quiet on me. They reveal rebels. Somebody that's wanting to do right, the rules don't matter. Because those are, oh, okay, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm I'm not wanting to do wrong anyway, so that's not a problem for me. But when there's a problem with the rules, it's because they don't want to do right. They don't want to follow right. Uh, And so here, that rebellion, that rejection, God said that rebellion was as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And we need to be looking at parents. We need to be looking at that with our kids. Because if we start seeing that rebellion, that disobedience leads to rebellion. It leads to rebellion. And rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's, that's not, nothing small to deal with. That is, that's major. All of that was introduction. Just a few, few observations here. And then I'll get to some points. few observations. First observation The rebel will not listen to God or God's man. Watch how your kids respond in church. 
Don't get quiet. If your kids aren't paying attention in church, you better be, you better be keying in. Saul did not listen to God or God's man. I'm not trying to get somebody to follow me. I'm just telling you, uh, that is so evident. You see it over and over and over again. You know the kids that are trying to do right? They're keyed in in church. And I'm not talking about the little ones. Uh, they're, they're drawn and all of that. Miss Stephanie gives them uh, little worksheets and, and they'll be drawing during church. But it's amazing how many truths they're picking up at the end of the service. She'll ask them things about the service and the kids will be drawing things about church and uh, they are picking things up. Uh, but by the time they're teenagers, they need to be keying in. And if they are bored in church, there's a problem. We need, we need to be looking at that and trying to make sure that we are guiding that. But the rebel will not listen to God or his man. The rebel will not receive correction. That's what we see all through this. The rebel will not receive correction. The rebel will blame his troubles on other people. It's somebody else's fault. Don't we hear that in the jail, Brother Rick? Let me tell you, the people in the jail, they were rebels against the laws of society. And if they are not a rebel towards God, they will not be a rebel towards the laws of society. There are so many that we find that they were saved already and they're in jail. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, whatever it was that you were doing, you weren't being a Christian because that's why you're here. And don't think that our kids are exempt from that. Over the years, I have stood in many courtrooms with young people uh, that then went into adulthood. Uh, and I've stood in the courtrooms with teenagers. I've stood in the courtrooms uh, with, with adults, uh, young people that had been in church and had been raised by Christ, in Christian homes. Uh, the, the kids of deacons uh, the, that end up robbing banks. Uh, kids that uh, go to a Christian school and end up murdering somebody. Uh, I've seen all of these events and we think somehow our kids are going to be the, the, they're just exempt from any of that. There is a sin nature that every one of us have. And we have got to be addressing that, especially when our children are young. Why? Because we want to make sure that we get their heart and that God has their heart. And if God has their heart, Man, if God has their heart and they go to jail, it's going to be because uh, they were standing for the Savior and it was against the law for, for them to stand for the Savior. They are not going to be, uh, they're not going to be the ones that are, are creating uh, a menace in society. So the rebel, you will blame his troubles on other people. 
So I've got several points, and we'll be done. Number one, let God be God. Let God be God. And I'm saying that because just because you don't agree with what the Bible says about certain areas doesn't mean it's not right. And God will hold you accountable for your home and for your children. You don't have the right to make an exception of what God has said. Boy, it's quiet. But that's true. Saul was king. And if anybody could make the rules and change the rules, the king could change rules. But he couldn't change God's rules. God held him accountable to it. You and I, as we are uh, in our life and rearing our family, we need to do it according to what God has said. And things that we agree with, great. Things we don't agree with, just keep on trusting God. Let God be God. Let's obey God. Uh, So let God be God. Number two, trust God when you don't understand. Trust God when you don't understand. I just don't think it's a big deal, preacher. It doesn't matter. Just trust God. Trust God. Oh, we're just making big thing out of nothing. If it's in this book, it's not nothing. Amen. So, so let's let God be God. Let's allow what God says uh, to impact how we view. This, this passage of scripture should help guide our perceptiveness on what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. How God views that disobedience. That, that disobedience was not just uh, disregarded. God dealt with it very severely. Uh, and so uh, trust God when you don't understand. Number three, Recognize disobedience as sin. Recognize disobedience as sin. It's sin. And that sin is a sin against God. Excuse me, it's sin against God. We want our kids to know that when we do wrong, it is not just that we broke mom and dad's rule or we broke a rule at school or whatever the scenario was, disobedience is against God. It's a sin against God. So, so here, recognize that disobedience. As God gives us commands, we've got to obey them. Those principles that God gives us to live by, live by not all of them are thou shalt, But those principles to live by, we need to recognize that to him that knoweth to do, uh, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's sin. So when we we know what God would want and we don't do it, then that's sin. We've got to recognize it as so, and we need to communicate that as so in our home. So recognize thoroughly that disobedience. Recognize disobedience as sin. Fourthly, 
willful, direct disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. Willful, direct disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, if you came home and you went into your child's room and they had ripped the carpet out and they'd put a pentagram in the middle of the floor and they had candles burning and they had a Ouija board out, I am imagining that somebody would have a fit. Right? That's what God looks at direct disobedience as. That willful direct disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. Woo! Well, you know, kids will be kids. Yep, they will. But that doesn't mean that we give a pass on sinful behavior, on things that are wrong. We've got to address that. Hey, Pastor, I think you're making a big deal. It's not me that made the big deal about it. Saul lost the kingdom over it. That's a big deal. He lost everything, even his life and his kids' lives. The sin of witchcraft. So this rebellion, this is something that we cannot disregard. Moms, dads, when you are talking to your child and they are being rebellious, there is something that you have got to deal with very strong. This is not something that you give a pass on. The rolling of the eyes. Hello? The looking the other way. I'm not, lo- I'm not even going to acknowledge that you're talking to me. Some of you are not even looking at me while I am talking and preaching. <laughs> it's amazing. The eyes say so much. They say the eyes are the windows to the soul. And they are. But if your children are not even going to look at you when they, when you're correcting something, there's a problem. It's revealing what's going on in the inside. Not just the rolling of the eyes, but that stare. That glare. That's revealing a heart of rebellion. And take your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 30. We're gonna, we're gonna tie the eye in here in just a second. But when we when we are looking and we are working with our homes, our families, with our own personal self, I don't want to be a, uh, have the sin of rebellion with God. And we can, as adults, 
King Saul was there. So none of us are exempt from that, no matter how old we are. But parents, uh, as we're dealing with the home, we want to make sure that our kids are not having uh, that rebellion towards God. Uh, And if they have rebellion towards us, they will have rebellion towards God. If they have rebellion towards their teachers at school, hello, they'll have rebellion towards God. You say, well, they're not rebelling against me yet. Yet. So the prophet here, he wasn't mincing words. Uh, That rebellion, it was satanic. It was an affront against God. And it's not just a sin, it's satanic. Uh, Witchcraft uh, is satanic. And when we allow rebellion in our homes, we are opening up for satanic influence. Uh, And so this correction in the home is to form the heart of the child of God. Uh, So they will be responsive to God's leading and God's God's a direction in their life. And uh, parents, if they're not listening to you, they will not listen to God. Uh, and it's amazing. Is, isn't it amazing? We'll get to Proverbs in a second. Look, look, look this way. So it's amazing how rebels always find each other. There, you can have, I was talking uh, to a pastor this, la- or this week, and uh, we were talking about camp. And you can have 700 kids show up for camp, and the rebels within the first hour have already connected. It's true. And you will just see them gravitate towards each other. Nobody had to say a word. There is... There is something about the rebel that they are drawn to the rebellious activity. They are drawn to other rebels. That's why it's so important because it's all about the heart. We've got to get their heart. And we've got to keep their heart. There's a unwritten radar. I don't know how to even explain it, but you, you can see it. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their responses. You can see it as truth is being preached and proclaimed. And you can, you can watch it on their countenance. The lack of respect, honor for authority. So important. We've got, we've got to get a hold of that and help our kids to succeed. So look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. The Bible says, The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. That stare that seems unpenetrable, uncaring, that empty stare, that glare. And this, this verse here, what he is saying is, the ravens shall pluck it out, the, that eye, 
The eagles shall eat it. You know, they don't eat the eyes out of living animals. That eye that is open and staring and glaring, it is revealing that something inside is already dead. The spirit inside the heart, something's, something's already died. And that rebellion is just the, the revelation of it. It is just the manifestation of it. And here when we see that, that attitude, that action, it is just showing that something on the inside has, has died. And that's, that's what we want to avoid. That is what we want to restore. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. You know, the Christian life is a great life. Praise the Lord. Amen. The Christian life is a great life. It is a life worth living. And the rules in the Bible, man, they don't even bother me. Now, they might have bothered me when I was a teenager. What is up with these flies? I'm going to have to get, I've got one of, the kids got me one of those rock salt uh, little uh, fly killers. I, well, during the song service and the, the ladies and the, the group was up here singing, there was a fly buzzing around. I thought, what would everybody think if I reached down and grabbed that thing and shot that fly out of the air? <laughs> Uh, I think I'd lose a lot of people's attention and I'd lose people singing. Uh, and so, uh, but, but here, the Christian life is a life worth living. We want our kids to enjoy life. We want them to enjoy the blessings that God has for them. But if we don't deal with uh, disobedience and sin in the home, we don't correct uh, when there is something that is wrong, then that is going to grow. And pretty soon it will become a direct defiance uh, against you. That rebellion will come out and it won't just stay there. It will get directed out in society as well. And so the sin uh, as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Parents, do you see that in your kids? If you do, man, I'd be in prayer about that. David or, or, or Samuel, he prayed all night long. He wept. Why? Because of the sin that, that Saul had committed. It bothered him. It broke his heart. And it, his desire was to help him get it right. Now, we can't get it right for anybody else. But we do need to know what the direction is. And we need to be willing to guide so they don't get to that place. Place of rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he also hath rejected thee from being king. So let's let God be God. Let, let God's principles become our principles. 
God's rules, our rules, his ways, his plans, his guidelines. And as we follow what his ways are, it will help us as we are leading our family. It'll help our kids, trying to keep them from having a heart of rebellion. And it will be a mirror in our own life if we start seeing rebellion come out, that direct defiance of God's word. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Uh, Lord, we, we want your blessings in our life, in our homes, our families, our young people. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a proper perspective, how you see things. Not how we see it, not how we think, but what do you think? And you've revealed that to us in your word. So help us as we endeavor to uh, follow you. Bless our homes, bless our kids. Lord, we want to see them enjoy all the, the blessings that you have for them and to be able to enjoy the life you've given to them. And so help us as we endeavor to uh, lead them, please. For Christ's sake we pray, amen. Let's